Who needs a full moon? Now's as great a time as any to be eaten alive. This is Darkness Prevails, the place to share your creepiest true stories with the world, because this world is a strange one. The werewolf may be the most sighted cryptid or unknown animal in history. A few hundred years ago, in fact, a strange wolf-like creature devoured hundreds of villagers in France, a creature that was seen to sometimes walk upright. And even today, the dogmen are sighted frequently in Michigan and Wisconsin. So today, enjoy these allegedly true sightings of real-life werewolves. Remember, you can share your true stories with us with the links in the description. And why not bring in the new year with some Darkness Prevails merchandise? at morbidmonsters.com. Real quick, here are the first five comments from my previous full video. Deso delivers a classic one-liner with applesauce. Thank you for your age-old wisdom. Matthias says, yay, so excited. I do feel giddy myself being back. Jacobine de Groot says, hey, you're so awesome, man. I was waiting for this. Hopefully you're waiting for this one as well. Thank you. Julian Stoles confuses me with blessed solstice. Why would anything made by Pontiac be blessed? Ugh. And Hoshi Arts says, well, time to play Saria's song, am I right, friends? You know, cause the video was about being lost in the woods. Cough, cough, lost woods. Anyway, now it's time to get hunted in the woods by these allegedly real werewolf stories. Enjoy. Number one, Michigan Dogmen, submitted by Jenkins. I've had some very interesting experiences with the supposed Dogmen of Michigan. The first encounter I had with these curious and strange beings was calm and serene, believe it or not. It felt as though I wasn't in any danger and everything was okay. But my second encounter was deathly different and it left me with a feeling of dread and worry and fear. Both encounters took place within two weeks of each other at night in the same rough area, and there happened to be snow on the ground. I'll begin with the first. Though I've had to move closer to Detroit for a better job and education, I still frequently go out into the country to visit my grandma. She and my late papa took me in when I was a teenager and raised me upright. Since she stays up late, I frequently go over later in the night and I smoke with her a while before going to bed and spending the night there. My first encounter took place in the second week of December of 2017 on one of these such nights. I'd left the small town of Emmett and was passing by the old country market on the corner of the crossroads of the paved road and the dirt road that my grandma lives on. It was a rare occasion as I hadn't turned on my radio and I was mainly just contemplating where my life was going. You see, my dad passed away in early June of the same year, and I'd found myself in an overpriced apartment with our remaining family dog and my new cat. It was a nerve-wracking change, 
and I was soon thinking over all the things that could have been and would never be anymore. The slow speed limit on this road gave me plenty of time to ponder over my life, and it also let me feel a distinct change in the scenery. Up ahead, the treetops seemed to move far less. Sure, the forest would block a lot of wind from moving bushes and dead cattails, but the treetops usually moved freely with the wind. The only reason I noticed how still the night was was because my eyes were drawn to the bright moon acting as a sentinel to all the nighttime travelers. On the other side of the road, the treetops were swaying and bending to the wind's whims, but for some reason, on the right side, they were like statues. It struck me as odd, but it didn't scare me, really. Deciding to check out what might be going on in those woods, I slowed to a stop in front of them. This was the area that divided my grandma's property from her neighbors. At first, my eyes noticed nothing as they adjusted, but once they were fully adjusted to the dark, they did focus in on something. The figure, it was dark brown with touches of black and white. It was fur that I was looking at, and then I saw a face as well as a tail. The animal was on all fours. It looked similar to a massive husky or malamute of some sort. I was genuinely concerned that someone had lost their pet, so I began to grab a Slim Jim I'd bought and some of my cheese crackers, hoping to lure it over. The thought that this animal may be aggressive never even crossed my mind since my gut was telling me it was safe. I found lost dogs before in these woods and had managed to get them to come with me at night, so this was really nothing new. Cracking open my car door slowly, I stepped out into the frigid air and began to approach the edge of the woods. Without the dark tinted windows limiting my sight, I could see the large dog was staring at me. It had the most human-looking blue eyes. They were deep and vivid and emotional. All the regret and sadness I felt from overthinking life in the car ride began to vanish away from my mind. My mind was instead releasing the negativity and overcome with serenity as this beautiful creature's stare persisted, as if it was telling me everything was going to be okay. I'm not sure how long I stood there, gazing into those blue eyes, but I was almost shocked out of my daze when this thing that I thought was a dog stood up on two legs, then sprinted away like a human jogger. It took such long strides that I knew I couldn't have kept up with it if I tried. In seconds, it had disappeared into the night. Due to the clear moon, I should have been able to see it better, but it seemed to just wisp away with the wind. And speaking of which, oddly enough, the wind was once more rocking the treetops. I stood there, outside my car, leaning on the passenger side for several minutes. Curiosity and wonder were coursing through my veins, and my need for answers held me to my spot. I wanted to see if I could see the gentle and wonderful creature once more. Once my nose began to go numb, I forced myself back into my car and drove the 20 feet to my grandma's driveway. 
Once in the house, I asked my grandma if she had seen anything, but she hadn't. But her dogs were very much on edge, and they were looking out the windows constantly in her bedroom because her windows faced towards that same stretch of woods. They weren't angry. They didn't have any fur standing up. They just looked out the windows attentively as though they weren't sure how to feel about whatever they were seeing or waiting for. After seating myself across from grandma at the table to smoke, I told her of my sighting of the weird giant dog and I told her of the way it walked on two legs. She said she had never seen anything like it, but she did believe me. I was told that I was crazy for ever leaving my car for a giant dog like that. Whether my gut told me it was safe or not, my grandma didn't trust stray dogs, let alone some werewolf. We dropped the matter after I was scolded and continued to smoke cigarettes while we chit-chatted and caught up. The second encounter was like the reverse side of a coin. It left me unnerved to my core. Once again, it happened within a mile of my grandma's home. This time, it was coming from the back way home from Yale. It was just before the turn on my grandma's road. Snow was coming down fast, and the wind was picking up the tiny flakes and gusting them so you couldn't see 10 feet in front of your car, which is why severe alarm bells went off in my head when suddenly the snow completely stopped. I slowed down, and just as I did, one of the upright, giant, husky things took two strides across the street and paused near a street sign. It was at least three feet above the top of the sign. It was so tall, and it had molten malice in its yellow, amber eyes. We locked gazes, and I felt my heart sink to the bottom of my chest. I had to get out of there. Whatever this one was, it felt angry. I didn't feel safe. It was dark black with gray touches on its face and mane, and it was definitely not happy to see me watching it traversing the road. The predatory look it gave as it turned its body to face my tiny 2001 Dodge Neon was enough to get me moving out of that area as quickly as the snow would allow. But as I drove, the thing began to come at me, like an animal chasing you away from its territory. And in that moment, I'd never felt more like prey. I wasn't sure if my car could even outrun it. With the size of its legs and the length of its strides, it easily outpaced me on the snow-covered roads. Luckily for me, the creature decided to stop. Perhaps it was just giving me a warning. Maybe it thought I wasn't worth it. Either way, it let me go, and I arrived at Grandma's five minutes later, going dangerously fast down the icy roads. When she saw me, she greeted me with a Merry Christmas Eve. But once she saw my face, she began to question what happened, and I told her. I was shaking, not from the cold, but from the panic and terror that I still felt. I felt that if I turned around at any given moment, I would see that thing staring at me from the woods. The anxiety didn't leave me for a couple of hours as we sat there and smoked cigarettes. On Christmas Day, when I woke up, 
I did a quick Google search to see if I could find any information about what I've seen. Maybe some sort of escaped circus wolf or something, but that I even knew was a long stretch. After finding nothing, I decided to draw what I saw. I was listening to things on YouTube when I stumbled across the word Dogman. And this prompted me to research some more online, and I eventually stumbled upon very recent sightings of Dogmen in St. Clair County, Michigan. We live in that very same county. So that's what I saw, I wondered. Dogmen. I'm not sure how to feel about everything I'm beginning to learn, but I know I'll be taking a more spiritual approach to my research because I believe these dogmen are more spiritual beings with the same kind of dangers attached to them that the physical world affords. While I hope to never see those predatory amber eyes again, I am open to another experience with those mystical dogmen. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Number two, the monster of Northern Forests, submitted by the figure. This traumatizing experience all started when me and my friend began camping. At that time in our lives, we were all about camping, going into the woods, setting up a little campsite, and just enjoying each other's company and nature. This specific occasion was just like any other at first. We set up our tents and campfire, and about three hours later, it was nighttime. We were eating some marshmallows and joking around telling ghost stories in between childish jokes. Eventually, I had to go do some business behind a tree. But after I was done, I suddenly heard a sound. My friend asked me where I was going, and I replied with, I thought I heard something. I just want to go check it out. My friend gave me a suspicious look and said, All right. I turned on my flashlight, and I began to walk into the dark. I searched for about three minutes when I heard the sound again. I went to where the sound was coming from, scouring the entire area. 
After I checked it out, I said to myself, maybe it was my mind playing around with me. I hadn't seen anything. And I know that sometimes in the woods, when you hear something you don't recognize or something strange, you often jump to some very freaky conclusions. Could have been nothing more than a branch falling from a tree. I went back to my camp and my friend and I went to bed. My tent was cozy and warm and next to his, and I honestly felt pretty safe, even in the middle of those forests. So I didn't expect to wake up a few hours later to another sound. I slowly grabbed my flashlight and I clicked it on. I began to climb outside of my tent. It felt darker than it was before. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's just how it felt. I'd taken maybe three or four steps out of my tent when I shined my flashlight onto an animal. It looked to be a coyote or a wild dog. It was hunched over our campfire, chewing and gnashing at the marshmallows we didn't eat. I could see its paws holding down one of the sticks with a marshmallow on it, the way a dog does. But when I shined the flashlight on the paw, I felt my whole body go numb. Those weren't paw pads like a dog has. They were fingers. I didn't even think about the light from my flashlight giving me away. But after a moment of standing there in stunned silence, with my flashlight still on the creature, the beast finally noticed. I saw its ears twitch and perk up, and then it cocked its head to the side revealing a toothed maw. I remember thinking, just great. I was in the middle of the woods with a wild dog that was obviously starving. But when the creature stood up like a man, I screamed, screamed like I was already being torn into. It twisted its body around and faced me, revealing a vicious gaze and a dog-like face on a body that was far too big to be any natural creature. I did the only thing I knew to do. I ran inside the tent with my friend. I know it sounds like a terrible idea, but with something like that that could overpower you and outrun you, in the middle of the woods, there's nothing you can really do. And if I was going to be eaten, I didn't want to go alone. Once inside the tent, I zipped it up, then turned around to see my friend already sitting up in his sleeping bag. Dude, why'd you scream like that? He asked, scared the heck out of me. I put my finger over my mouth and shushed him. There's something out there. He crawled over and against my warnings, he unzipped the flap a bit and looked outside. Through the opening, I could see too, and I saw that the creature was back over the fire pit munching once more on the marshmallows. What is that? My friend said. I could hear his voice choking up with fear. I replied, I don't know. What do we do? He cried, trying to keep back the tears, lest his sobbing reminded the creature that we were there. I was just thankful that it hadn't chased me into his tent. I said to him, if, if it leaves, we have to run. Th that's the only way. We sat there for the next hour, 
listening to the grinding sound as it put sticks and marshmallows between its teeth and chewed. And I couldn't help but imagine that being my arms or legs or bones. It's a curious and painful feeling to not know if your imminent life will be taken, to not know if you are going to be alive within the next hour. Eventually, the creature stood up. We watched through the flap of the tent, getting a full view of how tall it was. It suddenly glanced at us, knowing that we were watching it. It knew we were still there. But instead of coming at us, it turned the other way and left. It vanished amongst the trees in the night, and we couldn't have been happier. Still, we waited another hour before we decided to get up and go. The whole time we walked back to his vehicle, we could hear something in the woods screeching. It was a terrible sound that gave me a splitting headache, and I knew it was that thing. Maybe it was shouting a warning at us, telling us to go away before something happened. The entire drive home, my friend and I didn't exchange a word. All it took was that single experience to keep me and my friend out of the woods for good. And that's what ended our camping hobby. Number three, it wasn't a dog. Submitted by BBN. I live at the edge of a really small town in Serbia, and I go to school in a city at least 20 miles away from there, so I travel by bus every day. One evening, I came back from school at around 8 p.m. and I called my dad to pick me up by car, but at the time, he was sick, so he told me I'd have to come home by foot. It was only a 20-minute walk, so I didn't mind. It was the winter time, so it was already dark out, pitch black. I really enjoyed walking, so I took my time going back home. By 8.30, I arrived at this small wooded area. Obviously, I was definitely taking my time. I could have been home 10 minutes before, but I wasn't in a hurry. Anyway, in this area, there were no street lights for at least 400 feet from there. I was passing by this small strip of woods, when I heard a noise coming from within the trees. It startled me and gave me chills, since out here there wasn't much civilization and definitely no neighbors nearby. And I was terrified of dogs. If it was a dog, I didn't want to confront it. I decided to start walking faster, but only seconds later, I began to hear the footsteps behind me. I was being followed. I turned around, expecting to see a person, a stranger, maybe even just a dog wandering the streets. But what I did see was some sort of nightmare creature. It was this giant dog-like thing. It was on all fours, and even on all four legs, it was five feet tall. I was paralyzed looking at this thing, thinking it, it was just a dog, just an abnormally large dog. But still, I didn't know what to do. The animal was sniffing the air, and I began to feel a bit of relief, thinking it wasn't aggressive. 
I was just standing there, completely still, hardly able to breathe. Just when I was thinking that I was being scared over nothing, the dog stood up on two legs, towering over me at nearly nine or 10 feet tall. If you've never seen a living thing towering over you like that, then you probably don't know how much fear floods your whole body. You suddenly feel like a rag doll, a toy that this creature could pick apart if it wanted to. I couldn't believe my eyes. I was terrified more than I thought possible, and I was crying and breathing heavily. It looked at me with those yellow glowing eyes, eyes I won't soon forget. Just as any panicking prey would do, the only thing I could think to do was run, something that experts might tell you is a bad idea when facing down a predator. But it just felt right. I began running as fast as I could down the road, and moments later, I could hear its footsteps gaining on me. Tears were flooding down my cheeks, and I was crying out into the nothingness, into the dark, hoping someone would hear and come to rescue me, but knowing that I was alone in this terrible situation. But then, when I tripped over a rock on the road and fell onto the ground, I closed my eyes and knew that this was it, that this was how it was going to end for me. I could see tears dropping onto the asphalt, but after a while of nothing happening, a while of silence, I stood up and looked around. I was alone again, save for a couple of actual street dogs sniffing me with curiosity and worry. I have a fear of dogs and I'd usually be running away from them, but in this situation, I felt like I just woke up from a nightmare. I finally picked myself back up and began to walk home, sort of laughing at myself, still in disbelief and denial that what just happened, happened. I've never seen that creature again, and I'm glad that I haven't. Number four, Werewolf, submitted by Rachel White O2. This is a story from my aunt. It just happened to her a couple of weeks ago. It was around 10 o'clock at night. My aunt was out in her yard, letting her dog use the bathroom just before bed. As she waited for her dog to do its business, she heard the sound of trash cans being rocked back and forth, like if someone was taking their garbage to the cans. Then there was another sound, another set of trash cans rustling, this time closer, as if someone was going down the block, shaking the cans. When she looked around the yard and nearby, she glanced over to the streetlight and saw a slow, furry creature with its head down, keeping an eye on her, wandering round the trash cans. Then, all of a sudden, her dog started to snarl and bark at the creature lurking near them. That's when she got a good look at it. She said it looked like a bear mixed with a wolf, but a longer back that was kind of curved. It wasn't normal looking at all. It was horrifying, 
She picked up her big dog and threw the back door open and tossed her dog inside. As she looked back, the creature was only now two or three yards away from her. It was down on its haunches, as if ready to pounce like some sort of cat. She jumped inside with her dog and she saw that suddenly the creature looked disinterested. It ran across the neighbor's yards, away from her own home. A few hours later that same night, she gathered up the courage to go to the neighbor's house to talk about what they may have seen. And as she discussed this with the neighbor, she gasped and said, oh my God, I need to apologize to my sister. My aunt was confused as to what the neighbor was talking about, but the neighbor explained that her sister was staying upstairs in a guest bedroom recently. She said that she had looked outside of her window and saw a bulky creature that looked like a mix of a bear or a wolf. And to this day, my aunt believes her neighborhood was visited by a werewolf of some sort. It has thoroughly convinced her that supernatural things surely do exist out there. And number five, Werewolves at Camp, submitted by Brent B. I live in upstate South Carolina. I'm here to tell you about my sighting at the campgrounds last summer. I went to a summer camp above my state. At this location, there were these wide trails and big pastures at the end of the campgrounds. So as soon as we had free time, me and my three friends, Dylan, Cameron, and Thomas, went down the trail. By then, it was already dark. After a few minutes of walking, we were far enough away from our camp so that we couldn't hear any of the other kids or counselors. It was quiet and creepy. That's when we began to hear these big footsteps around us. Right away, I asked Thomas what it was. I look up to Thomas as he's never scared of anything and he hunted so often that I knew that he would know what it was. He had this creeped out look on his face, but without looking at me, he replied, it's just a squirrel. I wasn't sure about how he was feeling, but I went with it and I kept walking down the path. When we finally reached the pasture, we saw something running across the field. It was hard to make out what it was, considering how dark it was. Thomas said that it was just a coyote, but he looked to be more nervous than before. He said that we should turn back and just go back to camp before we get lost. That was unlike him. I've never seen him act like that. He was never worried, especially in the woods. But he convinced us. We decided to head back. I mean, if Thomas wants to go back, that's probably the best idea. Almost right away after we turned around, something at a super fast speed crossed our path. After this, we were all frozen because even in that blink of an eye, we saw how large the shape was. The thing was almost twice the size of a black bear and much, much faster. Thomas, I said, what the heck is going on? What was that? He looked like he was about to cry and didn't give me a reply. 
that's when we heard something behind us, the snap of a twig, causing us all to turn around and look. We were greeted by a sight we'd never thought we'd see. It was a wolf-like creature, but it was leaning forward in some sort of lanky standing position, and it was easily seven feet tall. Its fur was black or dark brown, and it snarled like a dog would if you were to touch its food bowl while it was eating. The only way we were able to make out as much detail as we did was that the moon was in fact full that night. Immediately, we began sprinting back to our campgrounds, and as I ran away, scared for my life, I looked back, but I saw that it wasn't giving chase. It just stood there, and as we grew distant from it, it ran off into the bushes, leaving us alone completely. After this experience, it's difficult for me to go out into the woods, especially at night, but truthfully, I wouldn't mind seeing them again. I'd love to learn more of what that might have been, and I wonder if they're as evil as Hollywood movies make them out to be. I wonder if werewolves go into the city like we do to get some human takeout. Hmm, delicious. Remember, no matter how much we think we know about our own world, we don't know everything. Perhaps we can't know everything. And until we actually do, then who's to say that werewolves aren't real, that they aren't out there stalking, lurking, hunting for a piece of human meat. Lord knows I've got a lot of that. Good night. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget to send us your true stories with the links in the description, or stop by morbidmonsters.com for some scary good shirts. Thank you all for listening. Stay safe out there, and stay creepy.